This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Good morning and welcome to Score Values on 670 The Score. I'm Adam Staczynski. Coming up on this week's show, Chicago Animal Care and Control is asking for help clearing the shelter as they struggle to handle the amount of dogs coming in. And the president of the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum discusses the importance of Jackie Robinson. Chicago Animal Care and Control, or CACC, is experiencing an influx of dogs and are asking for the public's help adopting or fostering the animals. I spoke with Executive Director Mamadou Dihate and Assistant to the Director Jenny Schleter about that and more. Mamadou, Jenny, thank you so much for both being here today. I want to start by asking you a little bit about, for those who don't know, what CACC does in the community. Oh, okay. So Chicago Animal Care Control is a municipal shelter that um, uh, is the only open shelter that uh, takes uh, all, all animals. Uh, in basically in in Chicago, and uh, we are located at 2741 Southwestern Chicago, Illinois 60608. What we do is that um, we are uh, in charge of making sure that uh, uh, public safety um, is uh, taking, I mean, is careful, and then uh, we impound um, animals off the street of Chicago. Uh, we're talking about stray animal, owner, surrender animal. Uh, we confiscate and impound uh, um, animal that was subject to abuse and uh, cruelty. Uh, also, we do impound uh, animals that belong to people who are uh, probably, I mean, intent at the hospital or uh, mm-hmm. even uh, people who are taken under custody by law enforcement, among others. So one of the other things that we do also, we are uh, the agency, the public agency in charge of uh, managing uh, the wildlife mm-hmm. in Chicago area. So we do do impoundment of wildlife if um, they're located in a living corridor or if they present uh, a safety risk to the resident, uh, you know, in all type of wildlife actually. And uh, we do education too. You know, just to go around, you know, educate the resident about um, uh, husbandry and uh, uh, owner's responsibilities and duties. Uh, we do offer adoption uh, of dogs at $65, uh, fully vetted. Um, but also we do, um, we have a, a medical unit that's fully equipped and uh that take care of animals that are impounded inside the facility. 
those are, uh, I believe we do a transfer to, we got a, a great homeward bound partnership with uh, over 200 uh, rescue groups throughout the subregion in Chicago. And uh, we do transfer probably, I'm thinking like maybe 80% yeah. of our animals, uh, you know, to those rescue. I think the other thing that makes um, Chicago Animal Care and Control a little bit different than other private shelters is we're the place, the first place everyone should look for their lost pets. Correct. And so um, we're also excited that we get to return about 10% of the animals that come in back to their owners. And when they go back home, they're spayed, neutered, microchipped, and vaccinated um, before they leave here. So that's a valuable service that the ACC provides as well to Chicago residents. And the reason that I wanted to speak to you both today was I, I, I read a report last week on ABC7 about how CACC is at capacity. And actually at the time that the report came out was over capacity. So the first thing I wanted to, yeah. to, to ask you is, it, is, that, is that still the case or, or what capacity are you guys currently at right now? Yes, that is still the case. And, um, our expectation is that that trend is going to go even, uh, uh, you know, higher, probably during the next few months, because this is something that's being seen uh, all over, not just all over the city with all the shelters, but all over the country. You know, that's a trend that mm-hmm. we've been seeing all over the country. Mm-hmm. And so when, when you so, say, oh, I'm sorry, continue. Yeah, the demand for intake has been slowly starting an increase over the past year and really accelerated over the last few months. And when you say that you're over capacity, is that specifically with dogs or is that just all the animals that you that you that you care for there? And yeah, that's a that's a very strange phenomenon this year. Uh, that's with dog. Usually it's with cat all oh. I mean the past 10, 20 years, it's always about cat, but this time that's all the way around. So, you know, that's mainly dogs. Yeah, large dogs. Okay. And so is there any reason that you can tell why that, why that is changing now? Why it's, why, why this year it's more dogs that you're, that you're struggling to, to take in and, and care for because you're so at capacity or, or is it, is it something that you just, is happening and you have to deal with? Yeah. So the best guess is that these are the, the negative effect and consequence of uh, the pandemic. You know, even though we got to say that we are in a recovery phase, it's just not just everything is going back to normal, but, um, you know, people are moving around, people are facing uh, financial difficulties, and uh, all that together, you know, among others, make it like uh, for many people hard to keep their animals. And they they kind of encounter so many challenges that, um, you know, they just give up their ownership right and uh, uh, we'll see animals either coming to the shelter or just out on the street. Right. If you think also during the height of the pandemic when people weren't moving around, Mm -hmm. there were even fewer strays because people were at home and they were able to keep track of their dogs better. Um, Also, anecdotally, we see that 
moving is the number one reason for people to bring their dogs here. And again, during the height of the pandemic, people weren't moving very much. Now people are starting to move. They're starting to go on vacation. Some people have changed jobs. Some people have lost work or have other economic hardships. And so those are the reasons pre-pandemic that we saw animals coming in. And so nobody wants to say post-pandemic because it's not mm -hmm. gone, but mm -hmm. I think life more or less for the most part here and in lab places has kind of gone back to normal. So the same reasons that led to animals coming in before are they exist again, where for a while it's one that they weren't existing, but they were reduced significantly by the pandemic. You're listening to Score Values on 670 The Score. We're speaking with Chicago Animal Care and Control Executive Director Amamadou Dihate and Assistant to the Director Jenny Schleter. So when CACC is experiencing being over capacity like this, how do you go about handling that? So usually what we do, we become very aggressive, you know, taking steps such as uh, uh, just kind of almost at the limit, begging our transfer partners. <laughs> Literally, we beg them. And I know that at their end is they kind of living the same situation, but we do beg them. And uh, that's one of the things that's just to get as many animals out. But also, we do open up for um, free adoption. Mm. You know, and uh, probably Jenny can go through the details with that. But yes, we do offer free adoption, waiving all the fees. Those dogs are fully vetted and uh, uh, reach out to, you know, our friends from the media, such mm -hmm. as you, mm -hmm. and, you know, have people just come and help us help the animals. Right. So you, you found out about us through that story on ABC7. So we did. We, you know... We have to reach out. I think being transparent and being able to ask for help when you need it is important. We're not embarrassed to ask for help when we need it. So uh, last weekend when things really started to look more dire, we decided to just tell everybody, hey, we're waiting the fees on dogs. Um, we want everyone to know. We also recently were working on transitioning to fully opening for walk-ins, but the pandemic also led to reduction in staff and volunteers. So it's a little mm -hmm. bit of a difficult time because we're transitioning and we have been welcoming new volunteers back. They're finishing some training. Uh, we're welcoming new staff in. they're finishing a few things too. So we're kind of at a moment of transition. Mm -hmm. We are ramping up to be able to assist more people, but admittedly we're in a little bit of a crunch. So, um, we're happy that we got a huge response to our, our need. And now we're kind of sorting through and getting people in and trying to get the dogs out. And so I think the message we want to say is be patient with us. Know that we, first of all, we're so appreciative of the response we got, that people care. Mm -hmm. um, we hope that's not short-lived because as Mamadou already mentioned, we expect that this trend is going to continue. So I always tell people, don't worry if you don't get in tomorrow. We're never going to run out of dogs, unfortunately. <laughs> um, so we want people to continue to um, come in. You don't have to rush. Even knowing that people are interested in signing up for appointments lets us plan our population management strategy a little bit better because we can see the interest there. So, um, yeah, so we waived fees for adoption through um, – 
today, Sunday, right? Yes. So anybody, anybody who fills out our online questionnaire will hear back from us um, to schedule an appointment. And we're also working on some walk-in days. So anybody who, who fills out that questionnaire will hear from us and get that information. And then after we get through that, we are already planning to participate in Bissell Pet Foundation's Empty the Shelter promotion. So that's the first, first week of May. And so people will be able to um, come in on May 2nd through the 8th. So Monday through Friday, it still is going to be um, mostly by appointment, but Saturday, May 7th, and Sunday, May 8th. It's walk-in adoptions from 12 to 6. Anybody can just show up, and uh, we'll be waiving fees, and that will be waived fees for dogs and cats and critters. So even though we don't have a ton of cats now, they are coming in every day. We also have some bunnies and some chickens and some guinea pigs. So um, our population changes daily. But we are really, really, really putting out the request for people to consider a medium to large dog because that's where our need is the highest right now. I wanted to ask a little bit more about the the process for adoptions. You, yeah. you mentioned you know filling filling out the the questionnaire, and so I know that every shelter kind of has different processes. But so yeah. if someone comes in like on one of these walk in days, uh, what's the process mm-hmm. you have to go through in order? Because I know you want to make sure that the animal is going to a good home and make sure that the animal is right. a right fit. So what's what's the process you have to go through? Right. Um... We have a pretty streamlined process. So when they walk in, we will hand them that questionnaire. We ask people to fill that out first. It's, it's not very long, but it gives us a good idea of what you're looking for, what your house is like. And then we'll have you meet with one of our adoption counselors. They'll review that with you. And that way they can kind of help select some animals that would be a good fit. Then they will take you around um, the dog pavilions to meet them. And we'll do the meetings. And what I always say is, you know, the first part is helpful to get a little bit of information. But the real key is during that meeting to see how the interactions go with the dog. Um, Mm -hmm. And we generally um, introduce you to about three dogs or so per hour. That's generally how long it takes for an event like that. So we, we try to get in as many people as possible. If you don't meet a dog that you think is a good match, then you can come back again and we'll just keep doing it. But once, you know, once you're in the system, uh, you can come back as many times as you'd like and we'll continue to do those introductions until you find the right fit. And and, and I can add this, um, every adapter is fairly vetted. Mm-hmm. So we mm-hmm. just don't, because uh, we want every animal to find a suitable house. So we won't send them anywhere and everywhere. We just make sure that they go to the right person. Right. And I think the other key is after the selection is made, we really spend some time with each adopter to go over, you know, the pet care responsibilities. We go over the medical records. Mm -hmm. We provide them with information um, on training options, on other pet care resources. So we really want to prepare them um, to go home and feel supported. And we also have um, an email series that will go out for the people to be able to respond with any questions or concerns. Um, We'll follow up with them and and try to help them. So I think it's important people know that they should feel supported even after they leave here with with the animal. 
You're listening to Score Values on 670 The Score. We're speaking with CACC Executive Director Mamadou Dihate and Assistant to the Director Jenny Schleter. What about fosters? I know that this is very helpful for, for a lot of shelters. So how many... I, 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 I'm not going to ask you how many fosters you have in the area. I'm sure it's quite a bit, but I know you're also asking for fosters because that can help alleviate how many animals you actually are holding at the shelter. Correct. So we uh, physically here don't do foster, but we do it throughout our partner. Mm-hmm. So whenever we got people interested in, in fostering, so we'll direct them to our partner. So the the idea is that if they fostered our dog to our partner, we can give that empty space there, and then we can give our partner more dogs. Right. Anything to add, Jenny? Yeah, so basically, we, we can kind of serve as a matchmaker. So when people contact us, we often know, because we're working so closely with our partners every day, we have two full-time animal placing coordinators, and their whole job is to kind of match people with our um, transfer partners to do that. So they'll say, oh, yes, we know this rescue wants to help this particular dog. Mm -hmm. And so then we'll put them in touch so that they can go through their process, and then the dog will be transferred to that group so that person can foster the dog. Yes. Okay, and you, you mentioned earlier volunteers at the shelter. So so are are you still asking for, I, I, I'm guessing you can never get too many volunteers, right? No, but we're asking everybody who's in the city who want to volunteer, please come help us. Yeah. We need you. Yeah, we, so two years we, we couldn't rec- do any recruitment or additivity, and we had to limit the number of volunteers here. So that's kind of unprecedented. So we're in, we're in a time of catching up. And it's been great. We've had a great response. There is a little bit of a process, including a background check and fingerprinting. And then we do have extensive training. And sometimes I think it seems a little daunting. But the idea, again, is we want everyone to feel comfortable with the work they're doing right. here. Mm-hmm. So um, it's well worth it. I think for anybody who does it, you're going to learn a lot as well. And we have two uh, new in- volunteer information sessions a month. You can find the links to sign up on our website or our general Facebook page. So that's chicago.gov forward slash DACC or on Facebook at Chicago Animal Care and Control. And the next online volunteer info session is next Tuesday, April 26th at 530. And that is a virtual session. So it's pretty convenient for people to join. Great. Well, Jenny Mamadou, that's that's really all I have for you. Is there anything that you wanted to add before before we wrap up? Um, can I talk to you a little bit about the kind of dogs that we have at the shelter? Of course. So I think it's important for people to know um, that a lot of people come in and they say, oh, all your dogs are, you know, medium, large people dogs, right? They're all mm-hmm. big dogs. And so, yeah, and so it's true that a lot of our dogs are going to look like a dog that people would characterize as a pit bull, right? Mm-hmm. So I think, like, in, in terms of the response we've been getting recently, we've had a lot of people inquiring about smaller dogs or golden retrievers and things like that. And it's no problem for us to refer those people to our partners because if they adopt from them, again, that leaves them space to come here and get more of of the dogs that we have. But typically, most of the dogs that are left at CACC for us to adopt out are medium to large 
paper, I'm doing quotes. You can't see me because it's okay. the radio, but I'm doing quotes, people type dogs. Okay. Uh, we like to call them Chicago dogs. We always say they're big, muscular, square-headed with the big smiles. Uh, those are Chicago dogs. And we want people, I think, to kind of come and meet them and keep their mind open to see what kind of wonderful, friendly dogs they are. Um, all dogs are individuals. We don't adopt out dangerous dogs. All the dogs are vetted um, behaviorally and medically before they're made available anyway. But I think sometimes there are myths surrounding the type of dogs in our shelter. And quite frankly, in most shelters across the country, you're going to find a vast majority of the dogs available are young adult, people type mixed dogs. And so I think it's important for us to say that because I'm not sure everybody realizes that what our population looks like, um, but also to understand that if you really want to rescue a dog and if you really want to make a difference in an animal's life, this is the kind of dog that really needs help. And I always tell everyone, prepare to be an ambassador. When you adopt from us, now you're an ambassador for the Chicago dog and you're, you're going to be able to demonstrate what good dogs they are. And uh, a couple dogs that we wanted to mention are there is a sweet dog called Elba. She, some people might say she's a black lab pit bull mix. Who knows? You'd have to do a DNA test. But she's a lovely dog. She's been here for a really long time, and I think partly it's because, you know, she is a larger black dog, and sometimes black dogs are overlooked. She was pretty sick for a while with um, pneumonia. Um, she had a bad cold, but our medical team did a fantastic job. Uh, taking care of her, and she's doing great, and she's ready to go. Um, there's a dog, Skipper, who's another handsome hunk of a dog. I mean, <laughs> we could go on and on. There's 275 dogs here. We get new ones in every day. They are trickling out the door, so that's good, but we want to make that trickle into, you know, a stream. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so um, check out all the dogs. If you go to – there's tons of groups on Facebook and Instagram, Um Chicago Shelter Dogs on Instagram. You also have um, CAC, CACC Adoptable Pets on Facebook, where we have so many videos and photos and bios of, of our beautiful animals. So um, check that out. And also, I know we're focusing on dogs, but mm -hmm. we, we need adopters for other animals too. So if you go to CACC Cats on Facebook, you can see photos of the cats and critters. Um, just come on down and, and adopt from your municipal open access shelter. These are the animals that need the most help. And so if you really want to be a hero for an animal, we'd love to see you here. Well, thank you both so much. I really appreciate you adding that, adding that Jenny. And uh, uh, that's, that's all I have for you. Thanks again for the time. Thank you. Have a good day. Thank you. That was Chicago Animal Care and Control Executive Director Mamadou Dihate and Assistant to the Director Jenny Schleter. You're listening to Score Values on 670 The Score. Up next, Friday was Jackie Robinson Day in Major League Baseball. Mike Mulligan and David Hahn, the Mullion Haw Show here on The Score, spoke with Negro Leagues Baseball Museum President Bob Kendrick about the importance of Jackie Robinson. You know what, Bob? Here in Chicago, we're very aware of, of the presence of what the significance of this day. Tim Anderson, Josh Harrison... They're the only black double play combination in, in the majors. And so there's a celebration here locally and I think throughout the league. And how do you balance that, though, 
with the numbers, which are pretty stagnant. 7% of all players on MLB opening day rosters were black. So while there's a lot to celebrate, there's still progress to be made yet. Yeah, and, and it's so interesting because our sport is by far the most diverse sport of them all. You've got people of all ethnicities playing this game, but you're right. The number of black Americans is not at the, the level that we want it to be, but I'm excited because we have people like Tim Anderson and Mookie Betts and Cedric Mullins, who I've talked to now for this this new season of Black Diamonds. They're becoming kind of the face of the game, and, and we need them. We need them, and, and we know that there's a concerted effort by Major League Baseball, the Players Association, and now the Player Alliance to address this gap, to put in measures that will help grow our game and make it available to urban kids. And we know that it is going to take time, though. And, and, you know, we live in a microwave society. We want things to happen instantly. And y'all know nothing instant about baseball. It is a time test through tradition, but it is a slow one. And it will take a little while. But we're starting to see more black players now in the minor leagues. And I don't think it will be too difficult to project if things move well. Of course, baseball is such an inexact science that they will get out of the minor leagues and eventually filter the, into the major leagues. And we'll start to see the needle move. I am very much optimistic about the future of our game. And we want to make sure that all children have an opportunity to play it, grow it, and be nurtured in this great sport. Yeah, I, you know, I think it's it's so much fun when we look even locally. You know, you mentioned Tim. Um, the White Sox have done a really good job of of uh, of helping to develop some – some local uh, players, and one of them is Ed Howard, who is drafted by the Cubs, uh, oddly enough. So he moves from uh, the south side to the north side team, and he's doing well in the minors. I think we've seen uh, how much impact a guy like Tim Anderson can have and and an organization like the Cubs can have by just sort of uh, working with uh, people in their community. Oh, there's no doubt about it. And, and Tim is just an amazing, not only an amazing baseball player, but an amazing person. And he and his wife a few years ago put a group of kids there in, uh, uh, from Chicago, put them on an airplane and flew them out to Kansas City so they, they could experience the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. It, it really resonated with Tim after Daryl Boston brought him to the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum for the first time. And I'm walking him through and telling the stories and you could see how he responded to it. Now he's identifying with his, with his place in our game. And he didn't want to keep that to himself. He wanted to share that. And so they put a group of kids on the plane. They flew them to Kansas City to it, the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. They were treated to Kansas City barbecue. And then they went out to the Kauffman <laughs> Stadium to watch a, a game, to watch Tim play. And, and as Tim and I talked about that experience, it wasn't just that Tim and his wife funded the trip. They were here with those kids. They became omnipresent with them. They are real. They're tangible. You can touch, reach out and touch them. And, and man, you can't, you, you don't know how impactful something like that is in the lives of kids who maybe had never even left out of Chicago before. And then to do it with a major league athlete, now I can really, this is real to me now. I can dream about this, but I know that that dream has a real possibility 
if my talent is good enough. Bob, you're in Kansas City. You're at the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum where you'll have a ceremony later this morning bringing attention to Jackie Robinson Day, the 75th anniversary of breaking the color barrier in Major League Baseball. So how can we use the lessons that you'll talk about and how, what will you say to your audience later today about how we can learn from what happened to make things better today? Well, we know that we have to keep working. We've made great strides in this country but we still have a lot of work left to do. And so as we reflect on Jackie Robinson and that pioneering moment in which he stepped on the field as a member of the Brooklyn Dodgers, it not only changed the game of baseball, it helped change this country for the better. But the work is not done. We still, as human beings, have, I think, a responsibility to continue to try and make our nation the best that it can be so that it affords any and everyone, irregardless of their color, ethnicity, gender, opportunities. That's what makes this nation so great. And Jackie Robinson reminds us of that. His breaking of the color barrier is so much bigger than the game of baseball. This was the beginning of the civil rights movement in this country. But we understand that there's still, like I said, left work left to be done. A museum like ours helps bring this story to the forefront. And it helps you identify with those passionate athletes who, as I like to say, forged a glorious history in the midst of an inglorious time of American history. But ultimately, guys, they built that bridge that Jackie Robinson crossed over. And now Tim Anderson gets to cross over. And the other black players that you alluded to that are now, and not only the black players, but the brown players. And so as we talk about the great city of Chicago, I can't help but think about my dear friend, the late, great Minnie Minoso, who was essentially the Afro-Latino Jackie Robinson. And I'm so excited that he is going, finally, into the National Baseball Hall of Fame. That was Bob Kendrick, president of the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum, speaking with Mike Mulligan and David Haw here on The Score. That's it for this week's edition of Score Values here on 670 The Score. If there's a topic you'd like to hear about on a future edition of the show, or if you'd like to share information about an upcoming charitable event, send us an email at scorevalues670 at gmail.com. That's scorevalues670 at gmail.com. I'm Adam Staczynski, and thanks for listening to this week's edition of Score Values on 670 The Score. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or... I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with h track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. 
Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.